Welcome to the 2S Podcast with Gage and Mike. This is Gage, the philosopher. And this is Mike, the farmer. Welcome back, everybody, to the 2S Podcast. On uh, today's episode, we're going to be having a more uh, lighthearted and like what-if style of podcast. And here in the next few weeks, we're going to be getting into some more serious uh, and more research topics, such as like philosophy, AI, how social media affects everything. Yeah, LA like life. child upbringing or daily communication, how philosophy affects society more than we realize or come to know. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll start with you, Gage, for your quote. Yes. Set my drink down. I'm getting a little ahead of myself there. <laughs> you know where my phone's at? No. Shit. Do you, do you know where your phone's at? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting on it. Uh, here we go. That's why you didn't feel it. <laughs> Too used to it. <laughs> All right. Enough. The humility. All right. Here. This is by Terry Pratchett. I do not know who this is, but um, I follow this thing on Instagram that has a bunch of quotes, and I like this one. And I'm not. I'm not going to give my opinion on it. I think there's a million different ways to understand this when you really dig into it. So here it is. Inside every sane person, there's a madman struggling to get out, said the shopkeeper. That's what I've always thought. No one goes mad quicker than a totally sane person. I don't know how to feel about that. (laughs) I guess my initial thought is... No, when like the last part, nobody goes mad quicker than a totally sane person. And when you're confined, because sanity is defined by society and culture. And when you're stuck hardcore in this rigid way of thinking and life and way of living, it's not natural. And the harder you hold yourself to those false standards that society and culture holds to you, the more contracted you're getting and you're going to implode. Yeah, yeah. And somebody that holds those standards a little more loosely and lets out a little bit here and there, they're goofy, they're weird, they do wild stuff here and there, they can stay in that frame of mind much longer than somebody that's staying contracted. Sooner than later, they're going to implode. Yeah, I agree with that. If you're so, it goes, I think it goes along the lines, you're so worried about how people see you or whatever. And you want to conform to societal norms. Like, just, I can I can see that being like extremely stressful and causing you to just lose your shit. Yeah, if you're always like, I have to be nice all the time, even when I don't feel it. I have to be polite all the time, even if I don't feel it. That starts to build up and eat you alive. In that one moment, you're just going to click, bam, you're mm-hmm. going to blow. But if you allow yourself to get angry, that doesn't mean you do it irresponsibly, you know, Go outside with a sledgehammer and start beating up rock. <laughs> you know, you got you got to let your anger out and the oh, steam yeah. out. You got to tell people off and stand up for yourself when it's necessary. But eventually, if you don't, and you're holding yourself to these structures, yeah, you're gonna 
You're going to implode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> that's my initial way of looking at it. Yeah, I'd say that's the way I would. I, I didn't know how to take it at first, but I would say that's definitely the what makes the most sense to me. What do you got? I got a quote by Napoleon Bonaparte. Not Benjamin Franklin? Not Ben Franklin. <laughs> I almost had picked another Ben Franklin quote this week, and I'm like, you know what? I need to find somebody else. <laughs> so, it says, it's a Napoleon, it says, 10 people who speak make more noise than 10,000 who are silent. Before I comment, go ahead and elaborate your thoughts. My thought on it is if, is if you're talking about, you know, it's like standing up for yourself. Because you got to remember at the time when Napoleon, when he first came to power, it was the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he was a he was part of the French Revolution and helped overthrow the monarchy and all that. And then through his pre- battle prowess and stuff, he became Emperor of France. Okay. So if you put that, if you keep that in mind, you look at it as a way of, well, when they overthrew the monarchy in France, 10 people doing something about it is worth more than 10,000 being quiet. That's why, that's my way of looking at it because you got to look at the historical background of it. Because I know what you're saying, I know, I kind of know what your thought was going to be. Because ten thousand people being silent about something, or like boycotting, or whatever you want to put the context in that way. No, that wasn't my initial thought. But yeah, if you, that's a good way of another way of somebody looking. Would, at would it. be like ass backwards way saying you, know, you got ten blowhards over here versus ten thousand people that are it's like doing a uh, sit in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like in that way. But if you look at it from the historical context of the time, you need people to speak up. Yeah, it, it that's that's where it makes sense. They were tired of the, the French monarchy and And my my initial thought was um a quote from unfortunately the current Dalai Lama. <laughs> if you've listened to the past few podcasts, one of the current events was about him. Yeah. But um That was a power and corruption episode. Nonetheless he's you know, you can have terrible people say wise things. But um he had a quote saying it um if you don't think you're big enough to make a difference, imagine a fly or a mosquito in your bedroom at night. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, just a reminder to speak your mind and don't ever feel helpless in a way. Well like, yeah, 'cause don't e- give up. Even if you're the only one standing up for something, it's your voice can be heard. Yep. Depends on how much you bitch. It goes back to one of your uh, quotes from the past of uh, standing up for what you think, even if no one else is. Oh, yeah. Hold your integrity. Yeah. Was a you John, might have that, to be the first before other people. That was a John, Adam, the John Adams quote. Always stand on principle, even if you stand alone. Yep, yep. That's what it was. That was from our very first episode. Very nice. I'm surprised I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, comment comment in on Facebook or Twitter your um, your own interpretations of them quotes. Yes, please. We'd love to hear it. We like we like uh, interaction, dif- interaction, differing opinions, debates. Right. What's your uh, current event there, Gage? All right. 
so this is a scientific current event. Switch it up a bit. Apparently astronomers, not astrologers, discover hundreds of mysterious filaments pointing towards our Milky Way's massive black hole. And apparently these filaments are, um, let's see, they're 25,000 light years from Earth. And they liken them to like spokes spreading out on a wheel from the black hole. So if you imagine the black hole 25,000 light years away, you got these like spokes, these filaments shooting out from it. And they're pointing out how it's not random and they seem to be guiding in towards it. And they apparently find, um, uh, I guess it was interesting that these structures seem to be pointing straight towards the black hole. I don't personally understand why that's that surprising. Because a black hole rotates. Right. And that's what they, they go to get onto is, um, sort of the new things they're discovering that if they measure these new filaments they're learning more about the black hole mm -hmm. that's in our galaxy well, their yeah. orientation and spin well yeah the black holes are something that they're they're trying to harness because it's there's such a massive amount of energy there like it swallows they swallow stars and planets and yeah, they say it's four million times the mass of our sun yeah they're they're dense they're very dense and everything gets sucked into it mm. and where does it go they don't know. I know. <laughs> I might volunteer to go through one. You're not going to make it 25,000 years away. Yeah, but that if I could. That means traveling at the speed of light, you'd have it'd take you 25,000 years to get there. I can live that long. No, you can't. Anything's possible with Jesus. <clears throat> Drink break. <laughs> okay. All right, let's move on. What's yours? All right, so mine, I don't know why, but this caught my attention when I was looking at current events. It's kind of macabre, I guess. Kind of what? Macabre. Like, weird. So, it's Mexican police found 45 bags containing body parts matching characteristics of uh, missing call center staff. So, I mean, it's kind of fucked and because it's seven call center employees reported missing between May 7th and May 22nd or May 20th and May 22nd in metropolitan area of Guadalajara there in Western Mexico. And they were found in bags? Well, I'm not sure. Like cut up in pieces? Yeah, it's body parts. Well, and it says the country has been troubled by an epidemic of disappearances with more than 100,000 Mexicans and migrants still missing. I mean, they're, they're having a hell of a time down there right now. There's more than 1,500 bodies have been found in Jalisco State, which is where this was since 2018. It's, uh, I mean, it's... It's pretty bad. And like so far this year in 2023, 147 bodies have been found. That's messed up. Well, that's all the cartel and stuff around down there. So, and it goes on to say about how in March, after four Americans were kidnapped in Mexico, resulting in deaths of two of them, 
A Mexican president uh, argued that Mexico is a safer country than the United States. <laughs> yeah. I'd be interesting to look at the statistics of missing people in Mexico mm-hmm. and the missing people in the well, United well, States, it's, it's, but then how many actually get reported? Well, you're going to have to do it per capita because the United States has a larger population. Right, right. you got to ratio it out. But it says kidnapping and human trafficking are also not unusual in parts of Mexico, particularly in border areas, and Mexico's, and Mexico's overall homicide rate is among the highest in the world. Which is true, because at, at one point, you remember when the Syrian civil war was going on? Over there, and, you know, it was like 20, it was during Obama, like 2014 or something like that. Mexico was above that place as the most dangerous. Mexico at one point was the most dangerous country in the world. Like, number one. Because it, it's run by the cartels. There's no... I mean, it's it's pretty nasty down there. I don't know what to say to that. I know. I mean, a lot of a lot of Americans go there and well, places that are apparently safe for well, they, vacation. You go down to their like uh, what those like Cozumel and uh, the fucking other one. I can't remember. My mom went down there a couple years ago, but they uh. Them resorts, they're run by the cartel and shit. But and they probably keep it safe. As well, yeah, you making yeah, scheme. you're you're safe inside the resort. As soon as you step outside the resort, though, you're fair game. Because like my my uncle goes down there on for work and stuff, or used to. I don't know if he does anymore. But he said they fly to the airport, you get on a, a thing they got there, and you go to the hotel, and you don't get out, you don't leave the hotel until they take you to the plant. And they come and pick you up, and they get you, and they take you there. Because the corruption down there is insane. Like, they're the cartels and the military and the government, and it's everywhere. Not a fan. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I'll, I'll stick to this little small town. Yeah. A lot easier that way. Hmm. I'm gonna be thinking about body parts and bags now. Oh, it'll be all right. Be a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So our uh, main topic for today. Yeah, we're talking we're going about, back in time. Yeah, we're talking about what would we go back and witness or change if we could time travel. Be something for everybody to comment in on what you would do. Start the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. What what would you do if you could go back in time? What would you would like to witness or stop or change or intervene in? What would be your first one? So my first one would be... Well, that's actually kind of tough to decide on. Well, not, not in any specific order. Yeah, I guess the first yeah, one to yeah, talk about. We, we ain't got to go chronologically or nothing, but I'd say I'd probably want to go back and uh, see the Library of Alexandria because there was so much knowledge in that ancient history and everything until it got burnt down when Julius Caesar was there with Cleopatra. And because how many hundreds of years did they say that set us back? 
Oh, I can't even remember. It said it said back a long time though. Yeah, it said apparently they said the burning down of all the knowledge in that library set humanity back like hundreds of hundreds of hundreds mm-hmm. of years. Oh yeah. Yeah. All the science and the philosophy and the thoughts of understanding the world. You know, because like, the philosophy is putting together the human experience mm. and tying that in to how do you, like, you got science, you got the data, now you have to interpret it. Mm-hmm. And that's where philosophy mm. comes into play and intertangles with science. So you had all that philosophical wisdom and all the scientific wisdom and them being conjoined together. Yeah, how would we view and understand and live life today? Yeah, that's my way of looking at it because I'm, you know, like I've said before, I'm a big history buff and stuff. So for me, that'd be something to be able to just be able to read and some of the stuff that's that was in there. And if, even if you're able to like, go back and change something per se, that'd be the one thing I would change. It'd be the burning of, Ale- of the Library of Alexandria. And what year was that? It'd be like 47 BC, something like that. And of the surviving knowledge and books i don't where think, did those, i don't think there was anything that survived there had to have been some there had to be some madman running there grabbing a handful no because it well it was during the so julius caesar was besieged in the palace and with his small roman contingent with the the boy king ptolemy and cleopatra and all them well then they uh the Egyptians didn't like it, so they, the Egyptian army, encircled the palace and all that. And somehow in the ensuing bullshit, it got burnt down. So, I mean, really, in, if you think about it, you got everybody's fighting each other. Nobody's going to be thinking about saving books. I don't know if that was like the keystone of your society. Well, the thing is, with the, the Library of Alexandria, so Alexandria was created by Alexander the Great. So, and he was around like three, three thirty something BC when he created Alexandria. So that library was only, you know, 300 years old, which I know, I know only is like, it was only 300, but it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was like super precious, I guess you would say like it was, but it wasn't. If well, in, in those 300 years, a lot progressed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Because you went, well, because what's weird about it is about the time Alexander the Great was going and conquering most of the known world, fucking Rome was just getting started. You know, it was just become, it was its own, it just started as a little, little town. You know, so between the, the ancient Greeks with like Alexander the Great and all that and his battle tactics and then Rome starting up. I mean, Rome advanced things a lot. But, you know, and Rome is also the reason they got the Library of Alexandria got burnt down. So, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I would, yeah, I would like to go and just roam through there. Yeah, it'd be really, it'd be really cool to see. One of the ones on my list would be one or two well both both of these but they tie together i would like to sit and watch the tomb of jesus of nazareth 
I'd like to see what actually happened, if anything, or if it did. I'd like to witness it. But if it did actually happen, I probably wouldn't be allowed to witness it. <laughs> I mean, that would, I'm sure God can go back in time and stop me from witnessing it. But I would mm-hmm. like to. Or just sort of be a fly on the wall at like um, when he was speaking the Beatitudes, the great sermon on the mount. I would like to see the personality and the interaction that this man had with others. Why was he such an influence? Yeah, that would be a that would definitely be a very good good one to be. That'd be you know, it, no matter what happened, whether you believe in Jesus or not. I mean, it was definitely one man changed the world in the biggest way possible, and bigger than any other man has up to this point. Right. I mean, even if you're an atheist, your life has been shaped. By, by this man, by this guy, this Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, yep. which is is insane if you really think about it, because you're, you know, that that happened, because there's a whole division in AD and B and BC, and then there's a little era right in there where he was alive, which is called Common Era, or Christ's existence, however you want to put it. it. Used to be BC was before Christ, AD was after death, and then CE was Christ's existence. Well, now and it's now you got BCE before Common Era, era CE Common, common era, era, and then AD, which is something. Uh, well, I think everything after. During, or it's ACE uh, after during common and era. after, yeah. But but the thing is, is like people will say that, and it's like, but what what caused that shift between before Common Era and after Common Era? So right. so what happened there? And it all focuses right there around the life of Jesus of Nazareth. And you can look back at it as saying, well, it became an official religion of Rome for political reasons or whatever, and that's what they did because they had the authority. But well, even, even if even so. Well, here's the even thing. So. Here's the thing with it becoming the original the religion of Rome, that was through Constantine the Great. Mm-hmm. So, and he didn't get baptized Catholic or Christian or whatever it was until he died. Until right before he died, mm-hmm. he he stayed the Roman religion the whole time. And from what I understand, that wasn't it wasn't necessarily the case. This is what I found interesting. I actually learned this a couple months ago during work, listening to a podcast while working. Um, for Mister Bossman's out there listening, of course I'm working. Listening to these podcasts makes me more productive and efficient. Yes. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't the case that he's on his deathbed so he converted it was planned out for him to be converted in the jordan river and along the way he started to die yeah. so then he got baptized so it wasn't just oh i'm dying now be baptized and it wasn't the case that you know he made it the official religion but didn't really care about christianity till he died because he actually did a lot of major changes while he oh, was yeah. emperor in support of Christianity that was completely not done before. Well, and they'll and say, especially, well, well, especially considering his predecessor, uh, Diocletian, I think was his predecessor. Yeah, freaking ruthless. Scourge of the Christians. Fucking out there rounding up Christians, killing them and everything, and saying that the, the Roman pagan religion was the only religion of Rome. But then you had... But Constantine didn't have no cherry. Like, he didn't just come into power and change it. He had a fight 
to get control of the, the empire and then all right in christianity even before it was like a a the state religion wasn't anti-war wasn't anti-violence it wasn't a pacifist religion it understood sometimes you have to fight yeah and now there were like priests even in the beginning were and up to this day aren't allowed to hurt a fly yeah well i mean but, G- jesus did say turn the other cheek but like it's like in the christian religion before it was a state religion things had their place and role yeah. like they understood hey you know sometimes you're gonna have to kill somebody no. to protect your family and your kids and whatever because it would be worse to just stand by and watch and beg them not to right mm-hmm. it's like it, it understood the realities of the world but he made a lot of different changes and one of the things people like to point out is well he didn't he didn't just all of a sudden get rid of all the pagan religions it's like well no. what makes you think he should have like christianity like you you know this modern day world you talk about tolerance christian is a tolerant religion yeah. even from the beginning they weren't saying like people have in mind well christians came into power and they completely killed and got rid of all the religions. It's like, yes and no. Not really. Not in the way that we like to think. They didn't just go around and start killing everybody immediately when it became the state religion. No, the, the, they allowed the pagans to be. Yeah. But they did do things like add extra taxes. Yeah. They did they, do they things did. like that. And, and you, when you go go through it all, like the, the Christian religion sent missionaries everywhere. And I mean everywhere. Well, even... The Apostle Thomas went to India. Yeah. You know, uh, Paul went to Greece. I mean, and that was shortly after Jesus' death. Yeah. And then, like, you look even, like, before before even 1000 AD, you had missionaries going to the uh, Vikings up there in Scandinavia, converting them over. I mean, because that, that's part of what ended the Viking Age was the conversion of them of them to christianity mm-hmm. i mean it, it's crazy the you know how much was spread through just missionaries in general like with mexico a lot of that was missionaries like but there there was violence involved so like but like if you look at the crusades people like to bring that up a lot of that was caused because the muslims were starting to invade europe and the and the european kingdoms were so di- divvied up that they wouldn't support each other because like i fuck it it ain't my problem you know, right. It's more complicated than we're going to go change. Yeah. The whole it, world yeah it was a whole, yeah, it was a whole, like, yeah, it'd be false and question the norms and question what they're being mm-hmm. taught. You'd be fired. Yeah. You got to follow the government mandated education. Yep. But, um, so yeah, I, w- I would like to wait because during his trial, even then, you know, it was written down by his students and whatnot. Fascinating read. It's not a long read at all, but it's a mm-hmm. fascinating read. It's actually right up here on my bookshelf, right up there. But uh, real short, you can read his trial, and he's super logical. Pretty much, he wins, logically. Mm-hmm. But it makes his case worse, because in a way, he's kind of just being a smartass. Yeah. Sarcastic. Yeah. So he's sentenced to death via suicide. He's got to drink hemlock. So he's in his cell and it's, and his students are with him and they're mourning and they're like, Oh no. And he's pretty much like, what are you guys worried about? He's like, I'm completely fine. He's like, I'm going to drink this and die. He goes, if what the religion 
religionists say that if you're a good person, when you die, you're with the gods in this paradise or heaven. I got nothing to worry about. Yeah. And if it's not true, when you're dead, you're dead. I got nothing to worry about because I'll be unconscious. I'll be dead. I'll cease to exist. Because I got nothing to fear. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> and then that's just him. Again, he's he's using logic. He's being rational. But he's also being honest and not knowing. And I think Marcus Aurelius takes it a, one step further in his journal. He says the same thing. He says if what the religionists say is true, if you've been a good person and you're trying, you know, genuine, like it says in the Old Testament, a contrite heart, he goes, I got nothing to fear. Yeah. And he's not saying that out of pride. No. You know, and he goes, if it's not, and he goes, and if God does exist and you go to this hell or whatever, then it's not a God I want to worship anyway. Mm-hmm. Or if when you're dead, you're dead. Yeah. He goes, I got nothing to fear. No. No, that's very true. So, yeah, I'd like to witness the trial and witness him talking to his students before he commits suicide yeah that would be that'd be definitely very interesting that way you wouldn't be just going off witness reports you'd be going you'd be seeing it yourself which future podcasts possibly we'll write it down it's gonna be yeah yeah get that pen out you get you got the yeah you got the fancy notebook (laughs) um it's gonna be very controversial okay but i think intriguing suicide Morally right, morally wrong, wrong. What are the current excuse, not excuses, but reasons for suicide, the rates. But yeah, I think I think that's an interesting topic of whether suicide is moral or not. That goes back into in the U.S. that doctor who went to trial for killing his patients that wanted to just be killed. There's a big trial why that's not allowed anymore. Yeah, and then now in Canada they got. We'll we'll save that for. We'll save it. Yeah, I think that'd be something interesting in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. But yeah, okay. You're up. Okay. What do you got? I'm trying to decide on which one of these I want to do next. So I got a lot. We'll go with this one, then I'll, I'll save the other one for last. So the Knights Templar. Okay. A lot of mystery around that. Phrase. Yes. I would love to go back and go to different points in time and see exactly what happened, where they went, especially after they they were all killed, supposedly, which we know they weren't all killed. I would love to see what, where they went, what they turned into, because an organization that big and powerful just don't disappear. Right. Is that their greatest plan yet yeah to pretend because, they don't exist because there's rumors that they went to, that they made it to the new world like 200 years before columbus and all, all kinds of stuff that goes into conspiracies of the u.s being formed was directly because of them and the freemasons the this yes. country had a plan from the very beginning it yes. was deliberate yeah there's there's a big thing that the freemasons and like the illuminati and shit like that are just a continuation of the knights templar <clears throat> but everything. So, so I would love to go back and see it because the Knights Templar was such a such a uh, exclusive 
I guess would be the word exclusive group. Almost esoteric. Yeah, like they were. You had to be. You know, you I don't I don't know if you could ever marry or like there was a whole list of things you had to do and you had to like fully trust the guy you were next to. I mean, it was a big drawn out from what we know of the initiation process. It was just insane. Essentially, like you were you didn't trust anybody but who was in your brotherhood. But the people in your brotherhood you trusted entirely. Like no ifs, ands, or buts. And that, so and that, it, and it that, almost be like people that were, say, like Green Beret or Navy SEALs, but times 100. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean... Because you had all the knowledge. You well, weren't just depending on your life. You had all the knowledge of what was really going well, on. Well, yeah, that's the big thing. Like, you know, the Green Berets and all that, like, yeah, they it's certain, like, missions that they can't talk about. But everything this worldwide, everything they did was secret because they were so rich and powerful they could do whatever they wanted to do it didn't matter toppling governments making new well new they countries. never they as far as we know they never toppled a government as the knights templar but did they have the political influence i mean could they have initiated say the french revolution was that oh, part it's, of the it's, plan it's 100 possible because they they had so which the reason the pope and the king of france went after him which there's not all the templars were killed the reason we know this is because their main base was in france so when all the the crusaders went over they were called the franks by the local populace mm-hmm. and that didn't matter if they were english german dutch didn't matter french they were all called the franks because the majority because they speak very frankly well it was because the majority <laughs> it's because the majority of them were from france well it was the king of France. I can't remember, like Louis or something. Louis something or fuck Philip, whatever the fuck. Don't really matter. But and them and the Pope got together, and the Templars were more powerful than the Pope and the King of France at the time. And at the time, the King of France was the fucking cat's ass. Like he was the guy. So between him and the Pope, so they got together and ordered the death of all arrest and henceforth the death of all the Templars in France because there was something about uh, about their initiation rituals and shit getting out and all that. But that, that's that's a little deeper than we need to go because that well this this can be a podcast all on its own. Yeah, it really could. But I gotta add one thing to that. Hmm. What what like the way you're describing it I don't keep up on them anymore, but I used to here and there just for fun and curiosity. But David Ike he has this analogy of the spider and the web. He was saying the true powers that be, the true very select few, as small organizations, the spider. Yeah. And across the web are all these other societies, whether it be the Knight Templar, Templars, or maybe they're the spider, or whatever, the Illuminati. All these different things are branched off of the spider, but they all work for that headquarters. There are all these different groups, yeah. but they all, they're all taking orders from the spider yeah they're all attached to one thing yeah hmm. but because but that that's one of the reasons i want to go back and see it because there's just so much mystery behind it and there's there's been rumors over the years that they have the the holy grail the ark of the covenant probably know, the cross yeah parts of the original cross which supposedly there's pieces of that going around actually but mm-hmm. they uh but they knew all and they also say that they 
were protectors of Jesus's family. Yeah, yeah. Which is a big one, which would be... <laughs> Did he have a... That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is a very interesting topic that I would tie into that. Mary Magdalene. But it's very... That's, very yeah, his descendants. There, there's a lot of things attached to the Templar that would be... That I would, like... I would literally, like, spend my life probably, like... I would like to that. witness if Jesus had sex... Uh, let me rephrase that. <laughs> yeah. Let me rephrase. I wouldn't want to watch it. Yeah, I, I would saying. like to know if he did. I would like to see the offspring. I would like to see that family and where they went. I didn't finish my sentence. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for elaborating. <laughs> let me on clarify. That. I'm just sitting there, fucking thinking Gage's gonna be like fucking peeking in the window, like <laughs> peeping Tom yeah. from the future, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello. <laughs> No, yeah, that'd be curious. I, I would, I'm going to add that to my list. If, so if this Jesus, is what you're saying? If he had offspring, I would like to follow that um, lineage. That'd be very interesting. Hmm. It's just one of the things that you, you're talking so so long ago that it's just, it's, I don't know, it's crazy thinking about it. It's one of those things where you got to be comfortable not knowing. Yeah. But totally possible. Mm-hmm. Which, if which, the, if Christianity's correct, if one, at some point we'll know it. Right, but then you got to think which version, because even in the midst of Christianity, there were different Christian yeah. sects. Like you can read it in the New Testament. A lot of these letters are arguing against other Christian sects. Yep. And some of them Christian sects were Gnostics, and we found a lot of their writings in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yep. And some of those Gnostic texts reference to Jesus having children, mm-hmm. having a family. So, like, maybe it is true. Who knows? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. The possibilities are endless. Just, yeah. Whew. Yeah. But gosh, if you knew what was really going on in history, what was really going on in the world, you'd probably live our lives a lot differently. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but we don't so who can blame us yeah fuck it drink more wine mm-hmm. more beer now I, I got one more that I really that I know many you've talked about before just because it's interesting and mm-hmm. that is the fall of Constantinople mm-hmm. the last new Rome yeah the last Christian stronghold in the east and I have mixed feelings about it because when I first started reading about it, I'm like, man, I would love to stop the fall of Constantinople just to see what would happen. But then I started looking into it, and it was the fall of Constantinople that allowed the new the, the Americas to be discovered. Yeah, a lot of good spread from it. So, the because Constantinople Constantinople was a uh, major stop on the Silk Road and the spice trade and all that. Well, when it got taken over by the Muslims and Europe couldn't lost access to it, they started looking for a way to sail to the Indies because they were looking for like the Northwest Passage and all that. I don't know if you ever heard of that, Mm -hmm. but they started looking for that and that is what caused the Americas to be discovered. So it's one of them things like part of possibly. Me, so you go to the what we were talking about before. Yeah, before if it, if it was planned. But yes, but how we know it now. As of right now, 
since we don't know much about the other version, they are saying historians have debated and pretty well agreed on the fact that the fall of Constantinople is kind of directly related to the discovery of the Americas. Yeah. Which you think about it, that's pretty fucking crazy. One city falls and Ryan, you got to think, would they have been discovered way much longer in the future if that didn't happen or would it have flourished even more and they would have had more of the freedom of people like, you know what, I'm going to be an explorer. Mm. Would they have found it maybe just five years later, ten years later because they would have flourished? It's like, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, that well, and that, that is the thing. Like, I think Christopher Columbus used it to his advantage in a way because he was saying that he was trying to find that passage. And when he landed in the Caribbean, he thought he was in India. He thought he was in the East Indies where he was in the West Indies. That's why they call him the West Indies because he thought he was in the Indies. and it, So you have the East and the West Indies. All right. So, I mean, it, it's it's just amazing really the what comes out of it, you know. He was which, lost. I'm still pissed off about it. I ain't gonna lie, because the big, well, the well, the Muslims call them churches, mosques, mosque. That big mosque they're they're so proud of was built as a Christian church. It's the Hagia Sophia, mm-hmm. and they sit there like, oh, it's like the biggest mosque in the mosque in the world. Like it's a fucking Christian church. Yeah, originally, yeah, that's what um in the Orthodox Church. There's um some elders saints of the past that prophesize that in the near future that that will be returned and constantinople will return we'll have to wait and see (laughs) yeah i mean yeah yeah You, you it's fun to read prophecies and if they happen which usually they never do. <laughs> no. But if they were to happen, you'd be like, okay, something might be going on here, maybe. You know, you got my attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You obviously know something I don't. <laughs> First you had me, now you have my attention. The only other big thing I got on my list, and this is more just a fun one, mainly something I'd like to observe and giggle at. <laughs> would be the philosopher Diogenes. Oh yeah. The dog. He was a wild one. But he lived a free life, very simple life. Seemingly according to observers and students and that very happy, laid back, easy life going fella. He was happy with nothing and he lived a good life, but he did a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah, like beating off in public. And Doing that in public, peeing and pooping in public, and having sex in public. Living in a log he's or just, something. He's like, why do we got... And his big thing, he wasn't doing it out of madness, per se. He was doing it with a purpose, to an extent, of pushing and pushing societal norms and making people question, why is this private? Why is this secret? Why is this something we call manners and respectable? Like, do you realize these are things we're making up? You know, like, be yourself, be a human. You know, don't forget you're an animal kind of thing, you know. Like, well, why, I guess that could... he, he, was showing, he was showing how how fragile culture 
and mannerisms in society actually is. Oh, yeah. Like if you just stopped following them, it would disappear, which means it's not real. Yeah. Something real doesn't just disappear. Well, uh, even Alexander the Great, uh, we talked about him earlier, how he conquered most known world time. He went there and met up with Diogenes, and they, uh, it's a pretty famous encounter, really, but I, I can't remember the exact details of it. But Diogenes said something, Alexander was, he was laying out in the sun. He was sunbathing. And Alexander the Great comes up and was blocking the sun. He's like, hey, can you step out of my sun? Right, and whether the encounter's real or not, yeah, that was the thing. Alexander the Great heard of him, wanted to meet this great guy, and yeah, and then he I, offered him, "What can I give you?" And he said, "You can step out of my shade, yeah, or step, step out, out of my, my sun, sun, because even that you can't offer." Yeah, saying, "You think you're all this big, mighty, all powerful mm. person, but you can't give me yeah. the sun." And then Alexander the Great said, "If I wasn't Alexander, I would want to be Diogenes." And Diogenes said, "I would want to be Diogenes if I wasn't Diogenes." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So. I mean, that's a free man there. Speak your mind and yeah, not be held off. Because you're by literally anything. talking to at that time in Greece, that was the most powerful man in the world was standing there, and that's how you were talking to him. Like just for, to have that level of not giving a single fuck. Is pretty impressive. Yeah, that's confidence in knowing who you are. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you know what? I don't give a fuck who you are. I, w- I would like to watch his encounters. That yeah, that would be very, very interesting. I say we'll uh, go ahead and start wrapping this thing up. All right, because we've been we've been talking for quite a bit. Yeah, things to think about. Yeah. What are things you'd like to go back and witness or change? Absolutely. It's one of them conversations you get in with your fr- family and friends. You could talk for hours about it. And please let us know if there's anything, you know, comment on Twitter, Facebook, even if you can comment on Spotify or whatever. Yeah. Let us know what you would like to go back in time and see or change or anything. It don't have to be nothing from ancient history. It could be something 50 years ago. Just something that where you weren't alive or you were too young to remember. That could be 9-11-2001 I want to witness. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, it could literally be anything. So, but now I guess we'll move on to our, our, our jokes. jokes. I got a good one. All right, I'm ready to hear it. All right. <laughs> Did you know in Hawaii it's illegal to laugh loudly? You got to keep it to a loha. <laughs> no, it's a aloha. God, what's better is the picture that comes with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that makes it. Uh, now my joke's a little uh, cheesy too this week. So, why were the early days of history called the Dark Ages? Because there were so many nights. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. <laughs> Clever girl. <laughs> oh, shit. Love it. I think our jokes were better this week than most. Yeah. Well, they, for mine. They were pretty decent. <laughs> Especially yours. Yours was a lot better than most time. Uh, I was prepared. <laughs> well, All right. What's your song for the week there, Gage? Yes. I got two. You got two. For a comparison. Jeez, That's what I showed you before we started. Yeah. It's uh, by Tom Waits. 
the one is called um, I Hope I Don't Fall in Love with You. Really good classic song. But immediately after that, listen to his song Hell Broke Loose. L-U-C-E. Much different. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely different. We, we listened to them before this. I'm like, oh, damn. So, yeah, those would be my two recommendations. Now I'm going, my recommendation is going to be some old country. It's going to be Hello, Darling by Conway Twitty. You used to do Sing Me Right Now. It depends. Is it working? I'll let you know after the show. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, I'm a big Conway Twitty guy. I like him a lot. He's just got that that voice that's like makes you want to drink the fuck out of beer and get all fucked up. What's the name? His name? Conway Twitty. Kanye Twitty. Conway. Not Kanye. Conway. Yeah, Conway. Yeah, you said Kanye. Oh, my bad. It's Conway Twitty. That sounds like a country rapper. He was way before country rap. Sounds like country rap. It's not country we'll have rap. to listen to it. <laughs> I promise you it's not country rap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed. And uh, we'll see you next time. Y'all take care. We'll see you on the next one.